but what are some maybe some specific pointers of how the church can do a better job at loving uh, the gay community? Uh, yeah, one, there, there's three things that I like to tell people. Um, the first is don't tip, don't tiptoe around sin, but preach the truth with grace and love. Mm -hmm. uh, most, a, a lot of conservative churches have no problem preaching about against sin, you know, so that that's not an issue for most conservative ones. But then again, some progressive churches, they do tiptoe around sin. You shouldn't do that. You can't sugarcoat sin or, or tiptoe around it. But when you preach the truth, Scripture says do it in love. And, and sin must be illuminated. Um, we got to condemn the sin, but we don't condemn the sinner because they're already condemned. So, you know, John 3 already tells us that they're already condemned. So our job is not to go around preaching condemnation. Our job is to preach the forgiveness of sins, uh, preach what Jesus did for us and, and the freedom he offers. So preach the truth, but do it with grace and truth. John 1, 14 tells us that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we quote that all the time, but we leave it there. Oh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah, that's not the end of the verse. It says we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of of grace and truth. And it mm -hmm. says, it says uh, three verses later that for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing I tell churches is like, please season what you're saying with grace and love. And, and I, I like ice cream, but not in my face. Don't shove the truth in, the, in someone's face. Don't beat them over the head with the Bible, give them truth in love and, and, and with grace like that. And so that's the first thing you having grace. And then the second thing is, is the, be very careful with the labels that you use. Uh, the labels, I know a lot of people love using uh, gay, faggot, queer, homosexual, sodomite, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. and those labels really create an us versus them mentality. And, and, you know, they're not the battlefield. They're the mission field. And when we have an us versus them mentality, they're the enemy. And that's not that's not reality. That's what the devil wants us to do. If, if we see them as enemies, uh, we're going to try to vanquish them rather than win them. And, and so treat them like the mission field that they are and be careful with the labels. Uh, some people uh, are very incessant about the labels, but some, even if I can get people to give up the labels, that'll really tear down a lot of the walls between the gay community and, and the gospel by just destroying those labels. Um, but, you know, even the word sodomite, which is a scriptural word, I tell people just be very careful with that because there's another scriptural word that's also not edifying, uh, and that's the word bastard. You know, in, in Hebrews, it talks about you know Christ chastening us, and if he doesn't chasten us, then you're actually a bastard and not a son. And that means you're an illegitimate child. You're not actually his child. Well, a lot of churches have bus ministries. They try to reach out to these broken homes and bring these children into church and minister to them. These children are, by definition, bastards. Well, we're not going to go out and knock on the doors and tell these mothers, hey, we want your bastard to come to church, to our bastards ministry. No, we don't do that. <laughs> it's a biblical yeah. word, but it's not helpful. It's not edifying. It's not going to communicate what we need to communicate. And so just be very careful with the labels you use. Um, and, and, you know, we all are sinners and we all need Jesus. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Not every sin is equal. But, you know, Scripture does say that it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom than in the day of judgment than it will be for Capernaum. And Jesus said that the sin of Israel made uh, the sin of Sodom and made Sodom look righteous. So, you know, not all sin is equal. But the ground is level at the foot of the cross, you know, and 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 it, we need to understand that and bring people to the cross. Don't nail them to it, you know. 
And so, and then the final thing is just be careful, you know, not to substitute a message of love in the place of true love. Um, yeah. You know, we preach love, but we have to show it indeed. Our actions are, 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 is true love. First uh, John three eighteen tells us that let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, it put feet to your love. Don't just tell somebody, oh, I love the gay community. If you're not actually doing anything to help them. And so, you know, the easiest way I, I tell people to, to love your gay neighbor, the easiest way to do this, to, to demonstrate love is to take what Jesus gave us about loving even an enemy. He says to love an enemy, you bless them and to to do good for them and to pray for them. Those are the mm -hmm. three things he says. And so take that to your gay neighbor. Say, okay, hey, how can I do good for my gay neighbor today? How can I be a blessing for them? To, how can I pray for them? Guess what? That's going to require you to get to know them, by the way. It's going to require you to, to yeah. develop a relationship with them, talk to them, yeah. get to know them, and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Maybe they they broke their leg, and you can go and mow their yard for them. You know? Or maybe their dog died, and you can you know take them out to dinner and just you know, get their mind off of you know Just just love them the way you would anyone else. Show them the love of Jesus and, and love indeed not just in word amen so kind of under the uh, same vein of loving and some people would say that uh, and you've probably seen it, it was years ago in the news there was a baker that uh, refused to do as far as the cake for a uh, for a, a gay wedding and mm -hmm. uh, it, it definitely brought up a lot of controversy people were calling him a bigot and hateful and this and that and uh, yeah things that I started thinking about in that realm of things is I remember when I worked at Best Buy, sold lots of TVs and they asked us to ask lifestyle questions. And I remember asking one gentleman once, I was like, so what's, what are you going to primarily be using this for? And he said, uh, porn. And I was kind of taken aback by it, but I still sold it. Porn. But in my heart, I was kind of like, I just sold a guy TV to watch porn. That, that doesn't yeah. seem right either. Or what about like the waitress, you know, that has uh, a customer that is probably on the verge of one too many, and then they ask for another drink. Uh, and then they're partaking in as far as their drunkenness. How do we approach that, especially when it comes as far as uh, to the gay marriage, uh, cakes and different things that they might want to have catered or things of that nature? Well, you know, I, the the way that that uh, that situation is definitely a very touchy situation, um, and I think it also e each situation is going to be unique. But here's here's my take on that. Uh, simply baking a cake, it, it's not a sin or a crime. You know, a, a customer can use a cake however they see fit. Uh, just like manufacturing, say, a gun is not a sin or a crime to make a gun even though a customer could use that gun for something evil. But that being said, even though it's not a sin to, to bake a cake simply, uh, every man has a conscience and a moral standard to abide by, you know, which the moral standard ought to be God. But we all have a conscience. God has written that on our heart. And, and Scripture does tell us that to violate your conscience is a sin. So if, if your conscience, if you have a check in your conscience that I feel like I shouldn't do this, then don't do it. You know, that that that's that's simple. Um However, it's not a sin to bake a cake. So while baking a cake or manufacturing a gun is not a sin or crime in and of itself, I personally would have reservations knowingly providing a goods or you know a good or service to somebody that I know they're going to use to carry out something contrary to my conscience or moral yeah. standard. You know, if 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 even though I'm selling a gun, if I know someone's buying this to go shoot somebody on purpose, like they want to go shoot somebody, I'm I'm not going to sell them that gun. You know, yes, it's legally OK to sell a gun. It's morally OK to sell a gun, but not once I know that you're going to use it like that. 
And so it, the same can be said of the cake that, you know, I have the right to not do it if I know you're going to use this contrary to my, my conscience. But, you know, if, if someone just buys the cake and doesn't tell me what they're doing it for and then they go off and do something privately that's against my conscience, I have no idea. That's no skin off my nose, you know, and there's not a sin to bake a cake. And so that's that's the framework from within you know, that I respond to this issue is, you know, is it a sin to bake the cake or do that? Uh, of course not. And if they quietly buy the cake and then go purpose it for a way like that, you know, that's on them. Uh, but if they make known their plans to me and I'm uncomfortable contributing that, you've got that check in your conscience and you feel like God would not be okay with that. You must obey your own conscience. It's a sin to violate your conscience. And so, you know, I should have every right to, to refuse service. Uh, well, yeah. theoretically, we should have every right. Um, <laughs> of course, it looks like it's being questioned. Right. Right. And then obviously we get into some interesting other political questions there. But um, to kind of stick yeah. to the issue of, you know, sort of how can we we love the gay community and that sort of thing? Um, yeah. You know, and, and kind of what you were saying is, you know, preaching, um, preaching the truth with love, you know, seasoning our words with salt, that sort of thing. I think a huge thing that we can do, um, is, particularly pastors and people that have more of sort of a mouthpiece or shepherds, is just to preach a solid gospel. Um mm -hmm. You know, so many times it seems like the gospel is reduced to a, you know, okay, you need to feel some sort of emotion and raise your hand, pray a prayer, get your ticket punched, and you're, you know, you're, you're sort of good to go. And I think, you know, obviously the issue of, of homosexuality, same-sex attraction isn't specifically related to that, but it's just... I don't know. I, I think it's so foundational that we actually do understand the gospel and that we understand the heart change in that. You know, I read, uh, I think it just got posted the other day, but it was by, uh, I think it was the Gospel Coalition. It was one of the pastors on there um, who, uh, I mean, really kind of has a similar testimony to you. You know, he lived in the gay community for um, quite some time, was, was openly gay, yet he was still um, you know, trying to live for Christ, but just, you know, just had this, this internal battle. And he said for him, sort of his turning point was, um, he actually heard a sermon on, uh, on depravity that was, I think he said it was maybe James Montgomery Boyce or something was, was preaching the sermon. But anyway, he said it was, it was really transitional for him because prior to that, he had kind of seen himself as generally a good person with just one issue. Like he was all around, he was a good guy, but he had this sexual sin issue and he said that 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 sermon really kind of confronted him and just said, well, no, you know, really every aspect of your being is fallen. It is in some way tainted by sin. You know, even your repentance, even your faith, even your good things are still touched by that. So for him, it was really kind of a paradigm shift of like, well, no, I can't really do anything on my own. I need God's grace every minute of every yeah. day. Uh, so that that was a big one for him. But um, just along with that, too, you know, we need to recognize that, um, you know, along with preaching a solid gospel, is just that, uh, again, it's not just about getting your ticket punched. It's, you know, and, and again with that, like, I, I don't, I don't want to harp on churches too bad, but um, there is almost this idea that floats around that you can have Jesus as your savior without having him as Lord. Yeah. Um, and that's just not something we see in scripture. You know, Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and he says, you know, like Matthew 7, which I think is one of the scariest texts in the Bible, you know, he's saying to these people, you know, you know, who, who called him Lord and, you know, cried out Lord. And they said, Hey, Jesus, we did this, this and that, you know, in your name. And then he says, yeah. you know, on that day, I'll say to you, I never knew you, you know, depart mm -hmm. from me, you workers of lawlessness. Um, so with that, we, we just have to understand that, you know, the, the gospel isn't something that's, it, it is easy in one sense and it is free in one sense. Absolutely. Because Jesus did everything. Um, you know, he, he just wants us to turn to him in faith. 
Uh, but at the same time, you know, the Christian walk isn't, you know, continuing to live with ourselves on the on the seat of, you know, lordship of our life. You know, Jesus is Lord. Yes. You know, that's you can't separate that from the gospel. Um, you know, if we're going to follow him and if we're going to be saved by him, we need to be um, serving him. And obviously we're going to do that imperfectly, like in the side yeah. of life, like we're never going to get that 100 percent. You know, the Christian walk is stumbling, yeah. but it's stumbling forward. You know, it's it's falling down and getting back up and, you know, picking up where we yeah. left off and following Christ and repenting. It's, you know, that like that, that just that is the Christian um, walk. And I, I think just preaching a solid gospel really goes hand in hand. Well, yeah, yeah, even the book of Proverbs tells us that are, that the just man will fall seven times and get back up. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that you fell does not make you unjust. Look at Lot. Look at what Lot, how Lot fell. Yet the New Testament still says he vexed his righteous soul. You know, he, he was still a righteous man. He fell. But the thing is, he got back up, you know, and, and if you stay down, that's when you have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. John, I felt like you were going to say something a second ago. Yeah, I mean, kind of like what you mentioned before, as far as that transformation that takes place. And um, in 1 Corinthians um, uh, 6, uh, we see it, it talks about many types of um, sins which are uh, brought up. So we have, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, uh, nor adulterers, uh, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves. And so, so we get this uh, view of all of these different uh, types of sins, uh, and it says that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then the important part comes right after that in verse 11. It says, and such were some of you, but yeah. you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, um, the, the past is steadily being sanctified, washed away, cleansed, and that transformation. Mm -hmm. A lot of people uh, will not automatically have that Paul transition where it's just instantaneous. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people uh, expect that. But I think coming and approaching the gospel that way of saying, you know, there there's tons, there's a plethora of different sins. Uh, and the testimony, the word of our testimony, it, explaining to people that, you know, that was me. I love when Ray Comfort approaches people and he, you know, he basically says, you know, I did all these same things that you did. You know, I blasphemed God. I lusted mm -hmm. after women. I did this and that. Um, but we're on luckily, the same boat. Exactly. Yeah. We're on the same boat. Yeah. And approaching them from that standard uh, that we're not any better that we all need a savior. Sometimes I think we uh, put ourselves on this pedestal and it's like, we're saved now. So now we are way better than you. And it's like, we call right. out their sin instead of, it's like, no, that's savior. the gospels recognizing that we're not like recognizing mm -hmm. that there's nothing in me that is worth God saving yet. He <laughs> saved me nonetheless. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, let's see if there were any, uh, questions from, uh, you guys watching, let me scroll through here and see if you got anything. And if, if you're still, uh, if you had a question and you hadn't, uh, hadn't had a chance to type it in, go ahead and do that now. Um, cool. So we have, looks like a couple people here who kind of have a similar testimony. We got, um, one brother who says he was delivered from 30 years of homosexuality and gay identity issues. Praise God, God for that, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we got another one. Someone says that, you know, they're born again. They've been really struggling with homosexual um, lust and that sort of thing. Um, reach out to us. You know, we we, we want to be yeah. here for you, you know, and this is what Joshua does. Like this is his specific ministry is, mm -hmm. uh, is reaching people who struggle with this. Um, definitely do not uh, neglect him as a resource. Uh, he's here for you. John and I are here for you. We love you guys. Um, you know, and we want you to, to have victory in your in your walk with Christ. Um, 
Let's see. Yeah. And church, church is still ill-equipped to handle this. And, and yeah, that's, you know, that, that is true. And that's, that's why we're doing this. That's why we want to, we want to get this message out there. We want to, um, you know, again, just speak the truth and love. Um, let's see. One brother said, yeah, asexual is also referred to, uh, or, or eunuch in modern terms, asexual would be a term. Okay. So, so let me ask you this, um, Joshua. So, we hear a lot of these different labels, and I know you said that a lot of times the labels aren't really helpful, but that is one that we hear a lot is asexual versus homosexual, seemingly to relate to asexual being someone without the desires and then homosexual, you know, obviously we yeah. we get what that means. But um, so for you, so any any advice that you can share in terms of beating the lust issue, the lust portion of the issue um, that you had with that? Um, obviously, you, sure. you mentioned that wasn't something that you felt you had naturally. It was really something that was learned from, um, you know, sin yeah. and uh, lust and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, definitely. The And just, just to clarify for anyone that's listening, you know, eunuch, asexual is a term that can be used today as well. Uh, but eunuch is a term just say that you don't have a desire for the opposite sex. That uh, eunuch is not a definition for the presence of same sex attraction. Uh, the presence of same-sex attraction, that is a deviation. There there are no sexual variations. Uh, that's actually one of the lies behind the label of homosexual, heterosexual, asexual, monosexual, and heterogenic. Those are all terms that get used. Um, and <clears throat> those those terms allow us to see varieties of sexuality, and that's not the case. Variety is like you have a T-shirt and you have three varieties of colors. you got a blue one, a red one, and a yellow one. One of them is not morally superior or inferior to the others. They are just varieties. But with sexuality, there's only one God-ordained sexuality, and the rest of them are not variations, but they are deviations. And that's very important to understand. And so lust, uh, dealing with lust, that it's going to be – you really deal with it the same way a man should deal with lusting after a woman. Um, the object of your lust really doesn't make a difference there. The the lust uh, is a problem. And so uh, the one way I help people take a look at lust is uh, I, I begin to – I tell people, I say, begin praying for that person. Um, it, the That person that you're lusting after is a soul. And every time that you, you take uh, – every time you take the temptation that, that – Satan pr puts in front of you and you turn it into a prayer, Satan's going to have to change up his game because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to send you praying every time. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me with, uh, with the temptation to lust like that scripture tells us that with every temptation, God provides a way of escape with every temptation. There's Amen. not a single temptation that does not also have a way of escape. And so for those who truly to de desire to walk uprightly, the spirit, it's important to walk in the spirit. Uh, it's important to, to be sensitive to the spirit of God, obey, listen to the voice of God. Um, he will always give us and lead us to that way of escape. And so just practically speaking, um, Romans six tells us. I, I think I think every believer ought to memorize Romans six. Every <laughs> believer ought to memorize Romans six, uh, because Paul tells us again and again and again, you are dead to sin, uh, and now you are to mortify your members. You know, treat them as though they are dead. Your members, your your body of sin is already dead. Now you mortify your members, your fleshly members, and, and treat them as though they're dead. Uh, dead hands can't steal. 
you know, dead, a dead mouth can't curse, a, you know, and, and dead eyes can't look at the wrong things. You need, you know, that's where you have to uh, acknowledge that I am dead to sin. Um, it's, it's truly an act of faith. It, it, this is one thing that people need to understand. The, one of the best definitions of faith I was ever taught was when a pastor told me that faith is acting like it is so, even while it is not yet so, in order that it may be so, because God said it is so. In other words, when, when God told Abraham, you are the father of many nations, Abraham acted like he was the father of many nations, even before he was. And he did, he acted that way so that he could have a child. And he did it because God said so. That's what faith is. Faith is acting that out, living that out. And so <clears throat> when Romans 6 tells us you are dead to sin, uh, live that by faith. When someone says, well, I don't feel dead to sin. It doesn't matter about your feelings. Facts don't care about feelings. God said <laughs> factually, you are dead to sin. Now you do have a responsibility to mortify your members. You know, And that's why Paul says in that same chapter, Romans 6, uh, to let not sin have dominion over you. It, you know, that is something that sin no longer has power over you. You have power in Christ. Christ has given you power. It's his power through you when you obey the spirit. And, and, and it's like a, it's like a mother pushing a, a toddler through the grocery, uh, grocery store and the toddler screaming and demanding cookies and just screaming and screaming and screaming and won't stop until he gets what he wants. Well, the mother could very well give in and yield to that child and throw the cookies in there just to shut the child up. Is that mother a slave to the child? No, but she gave in to the child. And that's that's the kind of picture that, that Paul's painting of sin saying, hey, you used to be in bondage to this, but it's no longer a master over you. Christ has made you free. Now you your responsibility is don't yield to it. it it's a screaming brat. It's always going to be yelling at you. It's always going to be trying to drag you down. It's always going to try to get you to give in to the flesh. But you don't yield to it. It, it. It's not your master anymore. You have control. And when you live like that, take that step of faith, act like it's so, even while you don't feel like it. When you take that step and act like that reality is true, that's that's activated faith. That The spirit will, will move in that. You will find victory. Um, the greatest example, just real quickly, is in Second Chronicles 20. When, when God told Jehoshaphat, I've already got this battle. I've already defeated them for you. Um, if God's defeated an army for you, what would you do? You would sing and rejoice and dance. So what did they do? They acted like God had defeated them. They began singing. And the Bible says that when they began singing, that's when God moved and, and slew the army. So in other words, when they began acting like God's word was real, when they began acting like it was true and they lived out what they would do if that were true, that's when God moved. And, and so when God tells you you're free from sin, if we continue to yield to it, we're not living like we're free and, and, and we're never going to experience that victory. But when you step and you tell yourself, no, I'm facing this temptation, but here's a way of escape. I do not want to do that. I am free from sin. I declare the truth that I am free and I choose to walk in that freedom. You will experience victory. The devil will not stand up to that because that is the reality that God has said. You are free. Live like it. Don't Amen. yield. Amen. Um, well, we got we got to wrap things up here in a minute. We've been going for a little over an hour, but we did have a couple more questions come in. So let me just kind of do like a quick fire of, right. of questions. Let me see if I can put them up on the screen. First one, super easy question for you. What is the name of your ministry? 
<laughs> well, let me think about it. No, uh, Born That Way Ministries. And you can way. go to bornthatway.org. And uh, yeah. And it is titled that way for the gay community. We do not teach that people are born gay. Obviously, everything I've been saying is the exact opposite of that. Uh, but it is titled that way. Born though there are some who are so born from the mother's womb not to have desire. And we titled it Born That Way after all to get the attention of those in the gay community. And it does work. It really does awesome. work. Awesome. Um, somebody's saying here, I don't know if you're familiar with this group, but they said, please check out the Restored Hope Network uh, community for ex-LGBT uh, Christians. Is that something you're familiar okay. with and can recommend or? Uh, no, I've not. I've actually not heard of them. Uh, there are several different ministries that I, I have heard of, uh, and I've not really vouched for a lot of them. I've not checked into tons sure. of them. Uh, there are a few that I've worked with over the years, um, but yeah, I'll definitely look into that one. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then somebody, I think you already kind of skimmed on this in your testimony a little bit, but somebody mm -hmm. asked if sexual abuse through um, ages of puberty produce homosexual desires later. We already kind of talked about how, you know, really Satan can kind of use the absence of anything and, and twist that. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything else further that you would want to add. <clears throat> yeah. So that's a really good question. Yes. Sexual abuse can complicate things. Uh, again, not everyone is, I, I've seen, I, I know many people who have, um, for lack of a better term, perverted desires, a deviated desires, uh, unnatural affections, uh, who, who were not born without a desire for women. They, they were born to have a desire for women, but because they were abused, uh, that's been messed up. They've, they've been, they've been damaged psychologically and hurt that way. Uh, it's actually easier to see it, uh, with, with, women who tend to be transgender and try to transition to men, uh, typically a lot of them have been abused for so many years. Their effort to become manly is, is oftentimes an effort to stop being beautiful. They feel like if they quit at being pretty, men will stop abusing them. And so, so they become very manly. And yeah. so yeah. that all they're putting up basically. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and so that it's very easy to see it with the, with those. Um, but the same can be true of, of, young men. I know many young men who, uh, who were abused. Now that's not a guaranteed way that someone will have homosexual desires. Um, you know, because I know many young boys who were abused and grew up to have normal tendencies, uh, but it definitely can be a complication in that for sure. Cool. That actually kind of leads into the next question here, which is what about women? Is there a different approach or answer for women? Or would you say it's just kind of a blanket, um, a blanket thing for, for men and women. Yeah, there women. Uh, there there are fewer female eunuchs uh, than there are males for sure. Um, and and by and large, I would say a lot or not by and large, but there are a lot of lesbians or those who identify as lesbians who may not have a lack of desire for men, but were in fact abused by men or, or for whatever reason been turned off by men and and pursue the women. Um, so. I definitely don't always approach a woman the same way I do a man in this. Um, uh, each person is their own, uh, is, is their own person. They've each got their own story. Uh, it's very important to listen. Listen to people. Let them tell their story. Uh, don't just judge them right off. You never know what kind of hurt and pain is behind that. Uh, there is an entire chapter in the Born That Way book, Born That Way After All book. It is available on Amazon, but there's an entire chapter in there on the females and, and how to help kind of respond to that, uh, God's purpose in designing that, and, and also some examples uh, from history of, of females uh, that God has used. Cool. All right. One last super easy question for you from Tyler Hood. Just kidding. This one's not easy at all. <laughs> um, he says, what would your advice be for two gay men about to get married who claim to be Christian? 
Oh, leave it to Tyler to ask that one. All right. I know so, it would be Tyler. I love you, bro. Yeah. Uh, that that that's a tough one. It really is a tough one. Um, obviously, my advice would be not to do it. Um, but but beyond that, it the the easiest way to shut down the the gay marriage issue, especially for someone who claims to be a believer, is to ask a simple question. Um, and, and I did this to someone. I, there's a there's an alt, another author. Uh, I, I don't want to name him or his book. I don't want to give pre, free publicity to him. Uh, but he wrote a book that was very made made waves in the Christian community, and uh, he was endorsing same sex uh, marriage. And he said his his thing was as long as it's committed and and monogamous and Christ centered, God's okay with it. And that was his perspective. And so I actually had the opportunity to meet him. Uh, he lived not far from me. So I sat down over coffee with him and, and I asked him this one question. I said, you know, I would love to agree with your book. I, it would be so easy for me to agree with you that as long as I'm committed to the person and Christ-centered, God's okay with the same-sex relationship. I would love to agree, but I have one problem. And I said, what is the purpose of marriage in Scripture? There's only one purpose given in scripture. Now, there's many benefits of marriage, you know, the companionship, uh, you know, affection, uh, possibly producing children, you know, things of that nature. There's many benefits, but scripture gives only one time, only one time it says for this cause, a man will leave mother and father and become one flesh with his wife for this cause. What cause? And, and Paul says, I'm speaking of a mystery, but it's of Christ in the church. It's a picture of Christ in the church. And so you know, if, if God just wanted a uh, man to have affection, man, give him, give him a best friend, give him a dog. You know, you want someone to have companionship, give him a best friend or a coworker. You know, there are other ways to fulfill some of those needs without marriage. So why did he create marriage? What was, why this type of union? It's a picture. And that's why in the future, in the new earth, we won't have marriage anymore because the picture is fulfilled. We will be married to Christ. And, yeah. and so we no longer have that picture. That's the only purpose of marriage. And so because we'll still have companionship, we'll still have affection and love and, and all this kind of stuff in the new world of the new earth. But we won't have marriage uh, because the picture has been you know, is reality. So what is the purpose of marriage? It's that it's the picture. And two men cannot picture that. Um, you know, there, there's no way to do that. And God does take his pictures very seriously. Look at when Moses ruined a picture of Christ in the desert. He struck that rock a second time. And, and God said, no, he, God, Christ was smitten for our transgressions only once. This time you were supposed to speak to it, and, and, but he struck it as well. And, and for that, God uh, shortened his life. God said, you're not going to be allowed to enter the promised land now. Why? Because he destroyed a picture of Christ. God, you know, God was trying to picture how Christ was smitten only once, but now you speak to him for your life and sustenance. And, and Moses messed that up. So God takes his pictures very seriously. The picture of his son and his bride, don't mess with that. And that's that's God's purpose. So asking that question, that kind of gets it going in that direction, helping people understand the purpose of marriage. Amen. Amen. That was an amazing answer. Um, well, any uh, any, I guess, kind of closing thoughts um, that you want to share, just maybe a word to uh, somebody watching this who is struggling with same sex attraction or who loves somebody who is in uh, who, who is dealing with that. Any any kind of final thoughts that you would want to add? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Love them, love them to the cross. Uh, if if you are someone who is struggling, uh, there is hope. There are answers. Uh, I'm I'm here to help. Uh, I've got a ministry of of other people who are able to talk and help. Uh, and if you're a woman who's struggling, we've got women who can talk to you as well. Um, you know, and, and there is help. There are answers. If you are a family member, uh, you've got a son or a daughter, a nephew, or somebody who has come out, and you're really struggling. 
Um, you know, I know that's very challenging. It's, it's a difficult time, especially trying to uh, not condone sin while loving that person. It is possible to love people without condoning sin. No man stood against sin more strongly than Jesus who died to overcome it. Yet murderers, adulterers, and thieves found compassion at his feet. You can love people uh, and show them that more than anything, they need to see love from the church. Um, and, and especially if you're a pastor or a leader, there are people, I guarantee you, there are people in your church and in your community that need these answers. Um, you know, so feel free to reach out. Uh, we're, we're here to help. And that's my goal. Amen. Amen. Um, let me just respond to something really quick here. Uh, Marissa just asked, uh, she kind of commented on your, uh, your thoughts on, uh, Christ and the church and, and that being a picture of marriage. And she says, uh, but Christ and his church is not male and female. Um, uh, Marissa, you're going to want to look at spe specifically the text. that's probably most clear is Ephesians chapter five, um, where it really lays down God's picture of marriage as a picture of Christ and the church. And again, like we talked about at the beginning too, of the, the purpose of humanity, God created us to be mirrors of him and to display him. Um, and in marriage, we are to display who God is, um, in that, in that covenantal relationship. Um, but just from, uh, from Ephesians five here, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or such thing, um, that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And, uh, and it goes on and it has more to say there, but that that's probably the text that teases that out the clearest where it's just saying, you know, um, you know, men are to look at Christ in terms of how he loved and served and sacrificially led the disciples. This is how mm -hmm. we're to treat our wives and families. Um, and then, and then wives are to, um, look at their husbands in the way that, that we as a church look to Christ, yes. um, and, and, and love him. And it's, yeah, love him and submit to him and in, in all things. And it's, it's just this, this beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, awesome. Well, on that note, I think, uh, I think we've, uh, we've gone on <laughs> for a while. This has been awesome. Joshua, thank you so much thank for doing you, this, man. You. you are a thank blessing you to, us, to, to reasons for Jesus, to, um, to the church in general, man, like you're, um, yeah, your, your ministry is amazing. You're doing awesome things. Um, you know, you are his workmanship. Um, you know, and, and this is what God's created you and called you to do. So this is amazing. So one last uh, thank you to everybody who's tuning in um, live. Um, guys, help us get the word out. Um, you know, share this video. I it, You won't be able to share it as of right now because it's it's just in the Reasons for Jesus Facebook group. We're going to put it on YouTube. That'll be shareable. Um, so And then also thank you to everybody who's checking this out on YouTube after the fact. Um, if you're on YouTube watching this and you're not part of the Reasons for Jesus Facebook group, definitely come hang out with us. It's just an awesome community of people, um, you know, just loving Jesus and, you know, and, and loving each other and, and answering questions and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then likewise, um, you know, like, share, subscribe our uh, video on YouTube. Um, and anyway, uh, we love you guys. Um, trust in Christ, chase, chase him and um, just give all the glory to God. All right. Have a great night, guys. We love you.